0: You are listening to the Reality Steve Podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on this season of Bachelor in Paradise and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve.
1: Welcome, everybody, to podcast number 361. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a very special podcast for you today, a great interview with Cassidy Timbrooks from Clayton's season of The Bachelor. You may remember her for the two episodes she was on. She definitely made some noise while she was there, but her story goes so much deeper than that, and I can't wait for you all to hear it today. And we'll get to that momentarily. You might remember Cassidy, from Clayton's season, two episodes. She got the group date rose, the first one of the season. But then she caused a little stir talking about an F buddy she had back home. The girls ratted her out to Clayton. And Clayton decided to take the rose away from her and send her home during that second episode. Then we, she thought she was going to be on Paradise. It didn't happen. She got into a relationship after all that. That ended up in heartbreak. But as I always say, when it comes to my Thursday weekly podcast and I interview people from this show, especially ones that didn't last very long on the show, I've always said this for 361 episodes, everybody's got a story. And Cassidy Timbrooks definitely has a story that I really want you to hear today. Because if you haven't been following her on her Instagram stories, Cassidy is almost 100 days sober right now. And this is a long journey that she was very open and very vulnerable about in this podcast. And I really appreciate her her doing this because she didn't have to. But she wants to help in any way she can. If one person listening today takes something out of it, maybe realizes they can quit drinking... Then mission accomplished. I think the Cassidy is going to go on to do a lot better things. I think she's going to be a great speaker, a great advocate uh, for drinking. I think she could definitely speak to some youth about this, but we go over everything, how much, how often, what she was drinking, how she hit it. It's, I'm I'm so glad that she's able to open up and talk about this because not everybody can. Some people feel embarrassed and, It's, um, you know, we do talk, we start off talking about bachelor and we start off talking about everything that happened after that. But I'd say the last half hour of the podcast, really, really good stuff and really dove deep into her drinking and how bad it got for her and why she decided to stop. And the fact that she's almost a hundred days sober now, and she's been able to do this on her own, no rehab. So got to give her credit for that. It's a very, very Fascinating conversation that I hope you listen to today with uh, with Cassidy. It was so great having her on and wanted to uh, you know thank her again. The Daily Roundup came out a couple hours ago. If you want to check that out, I give an update a little bit on Joey's season. As you know, the spoilers came out yesterday. They are on my Instagram feed. They're in my stories. They're probably gone from the stories or will be uh, by the time you listen to this. But they are all saved in my Joey Spoilers highlights, if you forget. But they're sitting in my feed, so you can't really... You don't even need to go to the highlights section and find Joey Spoilers, because they're in my feed. The one thing that I do update people on today is who is the quote-unquote villain of the season. And I don't want to immediately turn into, oh, everyone needs to hate this woman, because we don't know how it's going to play out. We don't know what form this villain will take, because we know... Villains take different forms every season. There are some villains that are truly bad, and you're just like, wow, they just seem like a really bad person. And then there are some that are just like the ones that keep to themselves and you know, aren't getting along with a lot of the women, but they don't really say anything like shit-talking them. I mean, Olivia Caridi is the best example. Like, While she was considered a villain on this show, she never did anything wrong. And she never badmouthed any of the other women and never got in a fight with any of the other women. You know, it was just little too much producer manipulation and uh, not realizing the things that she was saying in an ITM five months later was going to air on national TV and sound different than when she was saying it in an ITM. Devin wasn't maliciously mean. And we've had some people on the show that have been maliciously just mean. And, um... So I I do, you know, throw it out there. Um, You may have already heard it. You may not. But Maria, who's in the final six, is this year's villain. Is this season's villain. And, but that doesn't mean everyone needs to immediately hate her. It doesn't mean everyone needs to all of a sudden stop. You know, or all of a sudden message her and hope that she opens up messages when she gets back from filming and it tells her whatever. You know, let it play out. Let's see how she acted on the show, and then even then. You know, keep your death threats to yourself. Keep your constant criticism and negativity. Uh, I mean, you can criticize what she said on the show, but make it constructive. Don't make it just turn into name-calling, which is what it usually ends up being. But um, you're going to see. She's the one woman... Like, I, I'm i not trying to spread, like, hate because nobody should be hating anybody on the show, but... I'm giving you, just like I give you spoilers to what to expect this season, well, the woman that just didn't get along with the other women in the house this season was Maria. I mean, it's just something else I can say other than that's it, but let's watch it play out. It's going to be another you know, three months before we even see the first episode of the show, so let's not all get all riled up and... You know, I only use the word villain because it's one word and seven letters. I don't want to say every single time I speak of Maria, the woman in the house that the other girls didn't get along with. You know, So I, you just say villain. But we all know there are so many different levels of villainy in this show. So let's watch it play out. But just know going into the season that Maria is the one that just the women didn't get along with. That's the best way to put it. Everything that I've been told was she's the one this season so keep that in mind and um you know we'll watch and see how it plays out and see where she fits on the scale of villainy i mean last season for charity they made Braden the quote-unquote villain did that guy come across as a villain to you was he a bad guy was he bad-mouthing the other men in the house no he did nothing he was like a puppy dog on that show he just was really naive to the process and that's really it but On this show, you stand out when you either don't fawn all over the lead or don't say things that America wants to hear. That puts you in villain category. So we will see how Maria acts on the show this season. But right now, all you need to know is that's the one who's going to get the ire, draw the ire of the audience when the show starts airing. So keep it in mind, and we'll take it from there. All right, let's get started. Podcast number three sixty one. Okay, let's bring her in. Uh, you saw her on Clayton season of The Bachelor. However, in addition to that, she's got a really great story to share today. It is Cassidy Timbrooks. Cassidy, how are you?
0: Hi, Steve. I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm good. Um, I
1: want to get uh, right into it with your. We're gonna. You know, you were on Clayton season for a couple episodes, and. Everyone's got a story uh, when it comes to this show and for people that were, weren't were on the show very long, you know, we don't get to know very much about you and since the show, you've had a lot that has gone on in your life and that's what I really, you know, I'm looking forward to sharing with people, but let's go back to Clayton's season. When you applied to be on Clayton season, like you were, I think you might be, now that I think about it, you might be the first woman from Clayton season that has been on this show. So... I haven't been able to talk to anybody about it. You were oh. in a very weird situation because you were the only season where the women that were cast didn't even know who their bachelor was other than a picture, because not only had he not been you know, he was clearly done filming Michelle's season, but you hadn't seen him on Michelle season. Basically you had a headshot of him and it's like, hey, Here's our bachelor, Clayton, and you guys knew nothing about him. So what was that like for you and just talking to the other women on your season? What were you guys thinking around? Like, well, we know nothing about this guy, at least in past seasons. We can watch the previous season. We'd be like, oh, I hope he's the bachelor. For you guys, like, what were you doing during casting? Who were you saying you wanted as the bachelor?
0: Well, I'm glad that you know your stuff and explained that whole process so I didn't have to. because yeah it is the first time that that's happened and um, that was really unique to our season and I didn't really talk to any actually of course I didn't speak to any of the girls before filming started but you know for me personally they asked me a lot through film or throughout casting who I hoped the bachelor would be um, I was a hum- I was definitely hoping for Greg but I mean, Truthfully, I, I was there was nobody who was in consideration, at least there was nobody that was obviously going to be in consideration between like Michael A, Andrew, Justin, um, Greg, whoever the front runners were or the you know the finals on Katie season, yeah, there was nobody that I wouldn't have been open to meeting. so I was I was pretty sure that I was going to accept the cast position if I got it, regardless. So when they told us it was Clayton, I remember I got a phone call. And I, my heart honestly kind of sank because it wasn't it wasn't Greg who I wanted it to be, and I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> I'm like, "Wait, no, this is so not aligned with my fantasy." <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I remember liking him, or at least thinking that you know, I thought he was a good-looking guy, um, and he had the he had family. I looked on his Instagram, and he had he appeared to have family in Scottsdale. Obviously, we know now that that's true but that's what it just looked like at the time and that's I grew up in Scottsdale so I was like okay cool we'll have that in common and they told me the producers told me his mom was a teacher I believe and my mom is also a teacher so I was like cool that's that's a great thing to have in common and his birthday I think I found on Instagram or I googled it was April 29th which makes him a Taurus and I'm also a Taurus so we had that in (laughs) common so I was like I had like a little bullet points of like things we might be able to talk about, things we might have in common. So that was a solid list of things, so I was pretty optimistic that we were going to connect.
1: Yeah, it's crazy because your bachelor season was coming off of the back-to-back bachelorette seasons of Katie and Michelle. So I think a lot of people thought, "Oh, our bachelor's just going to come from Katie's season, but Michelle's season had already filmed it just hadn't started airing yet, so I guess maybe some of you in the back of your mind had it like, oh, maybe it is one of Michelle's guys, even though that is kind of weird. We haven't even
0: seen her guys
1: on TV yet. We don't know how they act, how they well, walk, how sir, they talk, nothing.
0: It's hard to remember the timeline, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. I, I lost I lost you for a second. You're right. Michelle's season hadn't aired yet, so we had... Yeah. I, I, I don't think that the... The guys had been announced, I believe, but yeah, just, yeah there just was the, no, uh, there was no, there was no footage out, no, spo- no tr- um, trailers or anything. So like nothing, I, as far as I know, we hadn't even heard Clayton's voice yet on TV. No,
1: because like, in any way, the only thing that had been released was when, you know, three days before filming starts, they put everything up on the, you know, bachelor Facebook, the, page the of,
0: ugly, yeah. the initial cast photos that are like taken on a phone. Yeah. And some people nail it but i didn't realize that my they were like send us a picture it was like they don't we had already sent them probably 30 pictures of ourselves so when they were like it was like i was waiting for my my car to come get me because i lived in la so they didn't send i didn't have to fly in and, like, I think the day that I, the car was coming, they were like, oh, we just need a quick photo of you, like, against a wall or something. And I don't know what I thought it was for, but I was like, okay. And that was the photo that got used for the initial cast photo. It was so <laughs> – I was like, damn, you could have fucking told me that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well,
1: so you end up getting cast and, you know, you you get out of the limo. There's Clayton. You're just like, okay, this is literally the first time I've ever heard this guy speak. Um what were your initial thoughts and I don't remember what did you do out of the limo?
0: <clears throat> I had done I was it was suggested to me by the producers I came in on the little toy car.
1: Oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay, that's right.
0: And it was a, p- a part of the whole bit um of Shanae uh, then came in in a big monster truck and I think the symbolism was pretty obviously there. That, honestly, that's what makes that's one of the things that makes me think that a lot of this is like at least thought about in advance. By somebody because it seems very um, symbolic to have <clears throat> me come in on a little truck and then have Shanae come in and hit the truck um, <laughs> when that was you know <laughs> quite literally what occurred in terms of the villainous uh, behavior of the season.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think about it. That does that does make sense. So you you get in there. Obviously, you didn't get um, first impression, Rose, but you get in there and you made quite the um well
0: i had a target on my back right away and and this this wasn't aired on the show in this order but or actually uh, they did show that i kissed clayton and i don't know why they aired it differently other than i think that the way that they aired it was that teddy was the first kiss that they showed and then teddy got the first impression rose but the order the order of operations that night was actually that i think i was near the later end to arrive but i pulled clayton first after his toast and i spent the first time with him and got the first kiss of that season so i was riding really high the whole night one
1: Mm. yeah we didn't even see that so you kissed him at the cocktail party
0: yeah and i did i did and they and they showed it but it was the first thing that happened at the cocktail party (laughs) and it was not shown that way
1: gotcha All right. So, So,
0: but as far as, yeah, my relationship with the women was contentious immediately for that reason. Yeah. Well, I mean, you,
1: so you're sitting there and you obviously didn't get the um, first impression Rose, but you're on the first group date of the season, right? It was the first one of the season, right? Yes. Correct. Yes. And you quite, you made quite a name for yourself because you demanded a lot of his attention. And I just want you to kind of go over that whole day. Because for the people that do remember, it was like, oh, my God, this girl is constantly stealing him away. And you were the one that the target was on your back because you were stealing him away numerous times and when you've already talked to him. So kind of explain that whole day and let everybody know what maybe they didn't see or maybe there wasn't anything they didn't see. And you were just, hey, I want to spend as much time with him as possible.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was really excited about him. Like I said, after night one, I... I didn't get the first impression rose, but I'm, and when, when I didn't, they, it kind of seemed like the questions that they were asking me, I think that, um, I think that it was expected that I would have gotten upset about not getting the first impression rose, but I wasn't, or at least I, I just, because I had gotten a kiss on night one, I had a really good feeling that I was going to go through. And at that point that was the only goal. So, you know, I wasn't, um, but my relationship with him, I, I was confident that like he liked me and I had a chance. So when we went on the first group date, um, at first it was great. I mean, I like, like like I said a minute ago that my relationship with the women was contentious right away. It really it wasn't hostile in any way yet that I perceived, it, but it like had the potential to be. I guess was was what I meant to say, but. The, riding to the group date, we were all having fun. I just, the whole time I was just pinching myself. I just couldn't believe that I was here and this was happening because I've been a fan of the show for for a while. But um, you know, when we got there, I really just felt like one of the group. And from my memory, everybody spoke to Clayton at both portions of the date. And I, I remember thinking that I wasn't like keeping track but I was making a very concerted effort to not talk to, you know, I, like even on night one, I received an opportunity to talk to him a second time and I declined because I knew that there were still like 10 women who hadn't and I didn't want to piss anybody off. So I carried that on through and I don't remember exactly like making sure that everybody had, but it seemed to me like everybody had. So I pulled him a second time. And as far as I remember, I don't think that they aired anybody else's conversations from the group, from the day portion. So it appeared that I was the only one that talked to him. That was not the case. Okay. Um, But I definitely, at least from what I could tell, had like the hottest and heaviest connection. So that was aired accurately.
1: <laughs> well, you're going to have to remind me. Did you get the group date, Rose? I did. You did. Okay, that's right. And that ended up being the story. Okay. Okay. And- Go ahead.
0: Yeah. The the group date rose. I felt bad for Clayton because from what was shown, it looked like, you know, I remember seeing some feedback that made it, you know, that, that people thought that, you know, typical Clayton giving the group date rose to the girl who made out with him the most. And I just felt bad because that is like a shitty look for him. But what one thing that really hurt me that was left out, and I guess I don't know if I, you know, looking back on it, but I had shared with Clayton that night that my dad had died a year before, not to the day, but that month, a year before this evening was taking place.
1: yeah,
0: and that my family really needed me, and I'm kind of the you know the 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 you know strong foundation of the family and that this is a really tough time, and that that's why it meant so much to me to be here, et cetera, et cetera. And like, I I assume that that was part of the reason he decided to give me the group date rose, but that was left out entirely. (laughs) Um, So that was that was just something that sticks out about the group date rose from that night. And then
1: your storyline turned into, you know, gossip back at the mansion that someone heard you before the season started talking to. Uh, an F buddy you had back home or a situationship you were involved in. Again, yeah. <laughs> clear, clear this up. And what, what was it? How serious was it? If it was serious at all. At a, well, clearly it wasn't serious. But what was the situation with this guy back yeah. home? And who who heard you? What were you saying to this guy? Just kind of run us through it.
0: So I went on the show during a very like chaotic time in my life in terms of dating. And I had been... So I had been sleeping with this guy. It was the honestly the most casual sexual relationship I've ever had. And that's probably why I felt so comfortable talking about it. But obviously if you don't know and you just hear this, I can understand why it sounded bad. But like in my brain, I didn't even register that I was saying something potentially risky because it was, uh, you know, it, it didn't, I knew, you know, Yeah. but, um, he, oh, where was I going with that? Um, 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 so, uh, yeah, buddy, the uh, was oh, yeah, so uh, also we're gonna talk about my sobriety uh, at, a, at a you know, later on in the conversation, but yeah, I was drinking really heavily during that period of my life, and I was drinking really heavily on the show. They do have the drink enforcements and they were adequately enforced. I remember one time I was actually turned away because I was within the hour or whatever uh, time frame it is asking for another, but, so I know that they're enforced. Um, but when you're not eating much because you're nervous and all that, it, it ad- it's it's enough. You know, it adds up quick. For sure. Um, but so I was drinking and I probably, I mean, I, I kind of remember it wasn't like I was the alcohol, but just the nerves, the alcohol, everything going on and how casually I was talking about it. What I what I think happened was that I was just like tipsy girl chatting and probably forgot for a moment that these women were my competitors and just kind of girl chatted about, you know, some, some dude I was fucking, you know, before I got here, he was very handsome. So I was really proud of that one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I was running my mouth, I guess. But, um, no, after the show, we had a, he and I had a good laugh about it over the phone, but I actually never saw him again. Um, (laughs) so you know, it, it, even if I had wanted to, I think I associated him to, I was, I just felt so embarrassed about how my time on the show ended and the context of it all that it would have been impossible for me to separate, you know, the way that that made me feel from him.
1: So with this guy and the story that came out on TV was, I can't remember which Girl it was. You probably remember. Who was it that ran to Clayton and told him or told the other girls?
0: It was Sierra. Sierra. So
1: when she told the story, didn't she say that she heard you talking to him on the phone, like in the hotel before you left? Was that it? Or
0: I think she just said that I was talking to him on the phone because I was, and that's That must have been what I shared. And I think I was just. Okay, got it. The only reason I keep saying I think, I think, I think is just because, like, I don't specifically remember or I would clear it up entirely. But I think that I was probably bragging just about how, like, oh, he's so obsessed with me. Like, he called me literally right before I came here. You know (laughs) what I mean? It was probably just something silly like that. And I said that. But that, that did happen. He had FaceTimed me when I was at the hotel. And I was, like you know yeah.
1: so you just shared you just shared the story that you guys facetimed pre-show yes while, while you were yeah. here, yeah and that's what she shared yeah. okay um yeah so she didn't actually physically see you doing it like a uh what was the situation in paradise that was ivan wasn't that like ivan and somebody else in paradise where oh,
0: they there was actually... that girl with the curly hair i think she was um yeah i'm from... totally blanking i'm forgetting <laughs> too but yeah no it was nothing like that uh we were set I hadn't, they did a good job of separating us. I didn't even catch a glimpse of any of the women until night one.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that ends up getting your rose taken away and Clayton sends you home essentially. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I was actually talking to my girlfriends about this today. I went on a hike with my, with my sponsor and a couple of other girls. And, you know, it came up that I was on the show and we were kind of talking, so this, I was just talking about this, but like, That's probably my biggest regret of the experience. Is that if I think I think if I had responded to him differently, I could have potentially put up a an argument. You know, put up a. um, I could have probably created a situation where he couldn't have sent me home without looking bad. But instead, I got defensive. Um, I think if I had said something more along the lines of, "Well, yeah, but it's just a casual sex thing," and. I'm not looking for a relationship with him, but I am here looking for one with you and I'm ready for something serious. And if it works out with you and I, you know, that guy's history, you know, if I had kind of said it in a little bit more of an empowering and honest way, uh, I I really think I could have gotten out of the Rose taking away, but you know, it it is what it is.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And let's be honest. um, You're not the first woman who went on this show with a fuck buddy and you're certainly not the last um i've heard the stories of literally a woman is sleeping with a guy the night before she leaves for filming or the guy's taking her to the airport so it's not in in the grand scheme of things it's not a big deal at all but i guess you know in this show's format where everyone's supposed to be there for love which is total bullshit um it just it's frowned upon you know
0: yeah and i was actually quite uh happy to see like Because the truth is, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't lie to anybody. You know, There was everyone who there was necessary information had the necessary information, you know? Um, But I was happy to see, even during the little, the one week break there, the little cliffhanger that they used for that, there was a lot of discourse, obviously, about whether or not he should send me home and the reasons as to why. And there were a lot of people you know, making the case that I just view as like sex positive and, and, and honest and real that like, she hasn't done anything wrong. The fuck buddy's not a relationship. Like, you know, so I was, it actually was kind of nice to see that that opinion, at least amongst the fan base is more prevalent than I would have thought.
1: Yeah. I mean, you've certainly got your fan base, a certain section of this fan base that is just hell bent on any woman that goes on this show. That isn't 100%, 1000% falling all over the bachelor then they're not there for the right reasons and nobody would take you know they shouldn't be taken seriously and they no way clayton should pick her or no way the bachelor should pick this girl because she was seeing somebody so close to leaving for <coughs> filming and whatnot it's just it, it, it's well, so a old now there's a lot of now.
0: people that just hate women so yeah.
1: you know and a lot of them watch this show that's the problem you know
0: I mean, yeah which is you know it's like i don't know if it's their immersion therapy of like you know but oh for sure i <clears throat> I, it, I really think, yeah, I, I think same with the reunion episode. I think that I did a pretty effective job of re, of redeeming my, at least from the responses that I saw, it seemed like people thought I had done a good job of just kind of making that point um, that, you know, casual sex is okay, you know, exclamation point and whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, once again, it was refreshing. I think, like, I still follow some recap podcasts and, like, I don't watch the show live anymore, but I, you know, I keep up with what's going on and it really does seem like the fan base is turning a corner from what I remember it to be like when I first started watching back in Ben Higgins season and that, you know, as like just a sample population, it's very encouraging to see that because I think that this, of all of the sample populations you can pull, the Bachelor viewership, I think is really traditional, conservative, you know, so the turning of that tides is encouraging.
1: Yeah, people certainly need to start getting on board. And I I have seen it turn a little bit. You still have your subsection out there that will just criticize any woman who, like I said, isn't 1,000% fawning over The Bachelor from the second they get in the mansion to the second they are eliminated. But that's just, right. just let those people be. They're miserable human beings to begin with. So, <laughs> so here we are uh, after the show. Obviously, there's a, a chance for... Paradise, because the women on the bachelor season usually make up a large amount of the women that go down to paradise that particular summer. You were somebody that was contacted, and then we obviously never saw you on paradise that summer. What exactly happened? Do you know what's this situation? Did you think you were going to be on? Fill everyone in on why you didn't Mm -hmm. do paradise two. This would have been two summers ago, right? Not last summer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not the one airing currently, but the one that aired before it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really, really, really wanted to do paradise. Like it was my, obviously I did not go as far on the show as I thought I was going to. And I knew that paradise was my, you know, my only chance at like potential lasting relevancy within the franchise, which, you know, to go through all of the casting and all that that takes, like, you you want to have some lasting power and really feel like you, you did this for some reason, you know? So I had really hoped for Paradise. Um, I definitely, they gave me a lot of screen time at the reunion, I was very, comp- when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, I'm definitely, they want me on Paradise. And I was in all the con, you know, there's less paperwork you have to do because they already have, you know, your information, but, I had done all that, and I was waiting on my fly out date, and instead I got a um, nondescript, just like, eh, "It's not gonna work. It's not gonna be this year. It's not gonna work out this year for us." And I begged and pleaded and bargained and tried to get a reason or something. Like i you know, I'm not ashamed to say that I was really heartbroken and I was really excited, and it was crushing, um, and I did not cope with it well. That was really when my drinking started to get out of hand. But um, yeah, that was that was tough, and I was never really explained why. Um, but ultimately, you know, I do believe it's for the best. I think that uh, it's it's hard for me to be in a situation that is that like social, and you know, the, the margaritas are flowing and the conversation. It's hard for me to be in situations like that and not make a little bit of a fool of myself because <laughs> I'm just kind of out there in that way. You know, I'll I'll just say anything, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> So ultimately, I think that the possibility that I would have potentially made my reputation worse for myself (laughs) is unfortunately higher than the possibility that I would have made myself look better. So ultimately, I think it's probably for the best that it didn't work out. I mean, you just
1: seemed at that time. I want to say the I want to say last summer, Cassidy would have been tailor made for Bachelor Paradise like that. That was a show that you probably (laughs) needed to be on. And like you said, it probably wouldn't have maybe worked out well for you. And you even admit, like, I don't know how I would have done well, you that's know, the drinking honestly, and all that.
0: I love to entertain. Like I've yeah. always been, like the the class clown type. I just like that's. I'll, I'll just say anything and do anything to get a reaction. I love to make people laugh. So when I feel like I'm doing that, there is really no limit to what I'll say. And you know, it I, like yeah i think i would have been really fun television i think that that season you know could have benefited from it but yes unfortunately i still have to live my life on the other side of all that so <laughs> you know some some pros and some cons for sure so
1: after that there was a lot going on last summer with you and some instagram stories you were posting or whatever I don't know, kind of fill people in on I believe you were involved with somebody in Bachelor Nation or at least hooking up with somebody and, and whatever happened with that. Did, can you shed some light on what happened there?
0: Yeah, I, I did post. Uh, and again, I know I keep bringing it up, but like I was drinking so much. I probably shouldn't have posted all that I posted. There's so many things. <laughs> Like even the videos that you leaked from way back in the day, like oh, yes, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I was so drunk, and I just there's, I just feel like an idiot because there's just several things that I'm like, oh yeah, I did do that, well, didn't I? Well, just to refresh people, did. just
1: to refresh people's memory. When you got eliminated from the show, you did a private IG live. Yes, but, but somebody recorded it and sent it to me. And it was basically you just trashing Clayton, and I think trashing some of the women, and you put it out there. But like you said, you were uh, you were yes. drunk in that video, and I think if I showed everyone the video again, you'd realize, okay, yeah, she was pretty drunk. It
0: was it was really scary at the time because you and I hadn't talked at all, yeah. And as far as I knew, you were just this like scary spoiler site that like had the potential to really fuck my you know anyone's life up. And so when I realized that those videos were that you had them and they were they were you know shared I I mean obviously I was 100% certain like that was my close friend's Instagram story that had like maybe 80 people on it in the time just people I you know people I know in real life and when I realized that somebody had done that I was like I remember posting again to my close friends and being like I don't know who shared that video but like please please God if you have anything else like please don't, like, this affects my real life. Like, I posted, like, a a private shout-out to, like, I don't know who you are, but please don't hurt me, you know? And uh, <laughs> I was so scared, and it was just such a violation of trust. And obviously, I never would have said any of that publicly. It was me kind of just do- being drunk and doing a bit and just venting. Yeah. Um. But even so, I I just should have been more careful than to spoil the season even to people I know. I just – it was – it was a clown move on my part, but yes, that is what happened. And then the Peter stories that I posted. Yeah, I was talking to Peter Izzo from Michelle's season before Paradise, and he was definitely who I was most interested in just because, honestly, I had like a vision of like a Paradise Redemption arc for myself. And I was like, you know, there was the two, there was Crystal Nielsen and and Peter kind of had some goose energy going on. And I was like, maybe I just had this like I had a vision in my head that like that could be a good little storyline. And I kind of like him. I like that he's a little bit, I like the accent. I like the kind of asshole vibe that's a little bit like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we were talking and I flew out to Florida to see him. And he went to Paradise. And when he came back, I was under, you know, he came back single, so I was under the impression that we were like still working towards a relationship. Uh, It turns out he was not who he said he was. And um, that's kind of what happened with that. But it wasn't like we, it wasn't like nothing was planned. This was all just like my fantasy of like the vision that I had for how this could go um, in terms of how it would, you know, play out on the show. But in real, separate from the show, yeah, I had been talking to Peter and I, uh, was, I was not happy about what, how it ended. So I was a little, a little vocal, uh, on the matter.
1: And that just kind of went away. It was just one of these things where you were hooking up and then you weren't basically,
0: I mean, hooking up is a strong way to put it. Cause he lived in Florida and I lived in LA. We only saw each other a couple times. Gotcha. But yes, we had, we had an IRL in-person relationship, as well as like just talking on the phone and stuff. So, and we talked for really long, like we, we talked for long periods of time when we talked. So I, I knew him quite well and, you know, it was for sure something that I saw paradise being an opportunity for us to explore that, but yeah, didn't end up working out. Well, what was his explanation
1: to you? Cause you were, you were talking to him pre paradise. Did he say, Hey, I'm going down to paradise. Uh, you know, don't worry. I'm not taking it seriously. When I come back, I'll be, uh, We, you know, you and I could spend more time together. What What was the, hey, I'm leaving for paradise talk with him?
0: I mean, I, I don't want to like, basically, I think it was pretty obvious from his behavior on Instagram after Michelle's season that this was all about his pizza business for him. I mean, even yeah. from his behavior on Michelle season, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> the whole time. So I was, it made sense to me that he was, again, just doing paradise for his pizza business. So I didn't think he took any of it seriously. And I, from how much we talked, I knew that he had a relationship with me that, and I also, I mean, to be honest, I also had a feeling that he was not going to land with the women that I knew would be in paradise. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And he, and he didn't,
0: and he didn't. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah he, so I,
0: that was kind of how I saw that with him going and me not going, it kind of went pretty much how I thought it was going to go. Gotcha.
1: And you know, we're, we're sitting here, you know, uh, you know, a year later. And after, after that, after that summer, last summer, um, I believe you got into another relationship but not, not with somebody in bachelor Nation. but you i remember because i did, I've yeah. followed you for you know over a year now on instagram and always saw your stories and whatnot and you got into another relationship and that relationship uh ended i can't remember when but i think if i'm not mistaken the ending of that relationship started this journey um of your sobriety. So I want to, I want to talk about your sobriety uh, when we get back from uh, this commercial break. All right. So let's talk about this. Um, you've been very vocal on Instagram in talking about your sobriety as we record this, I believe you're a little over 90 days, right? Is that correct? I am
0: 94. Yeah. 94.
1: Congratulations. Um,
0: Thank
1: you. So in talking about your sobriety, I want to just go back to kind of the beginning of it. Um, and how bad it was for you how much were you drinking daily what were you drinking and when um, did this start and (laughs) to throw a fourth question in here (laughs) do you know what was the reason for it do you does it run in your family anything like that explain kind of the the origins of all this
0: yeah I'd be happy to Um, I really hope to write a book kind of chronicling this experience someday and so this kind of stuff is really you know this is something I enjoy talking about and I and I you know I'm very comfortable with that so um I my my dad was an alcoholic um he died young at 58 from brain cancer like I said a year before I went on the show it wasn't alcohol related but the the physical signs of liver failure that he was showing I I would be willing to bet that cirrhosis would have taken him if it hadn't been for the brain cancer um so that was the level of alcoholic that he had been. And um, I started drinking when I was pretty much, I'm mean, eight, 18, my, I had a really, I lived with my mom when I was in high school and I was the first child so she was really, you know, <laughs> up my ass about everything and I I stayed out of trouble for the most part. I didn't party in high school, I, I did other, you know, I shoplifted and, and I had my little vices at the time, but um, I wasn't into partying or alcohol or anything. and. So when I was 18, I was working in a restaurant and I actually worked in restaurants for almost 10 years altogether. And one thing about restaurant work for, you know, the the people who've done it is like, it is largely comprised of active alcoholics. It is a very alcohol saturated work environment. And I fell into it. I moved out when I turned 18 and never lived at home again. So I was kind of You know, I looked for work family, and I was very, very active in my, like, work social group, so I partied with them a lot. Um, I was pretty much a daily drinker for about eight years before I quit. Sometimes a little, um, but usually a lot. And there were points after Paradise didn't work out where for, like, months at a time, I drank a whole bottle of vodka a day. Mm. And I actually... I saw a Demi, Burn- Demi Burnett post about her sobriety recently and I, I must have missed her earlier post about that, but I, I saw I saw her reference that she was drinking a bottle of vodka a day at points before she quit. and I just thought that was really cool of her to say and be honest about. Um, so I, I, that makes honestly that gives me the comfortability to be honest about it too. Um, so yeah, that, that is how much I was drinking. And it was pretty much from when I woke up to when I went to bed and, um, you know, all the alcoholic stuff, I was hiding bottles so that people wouldn't notice how much I was drinking. And I was, you know, you know, I had a rotation of liquor stores so that none of the cashiers noticed that I was coming in as often as I was buying alcohol, things like that. and so when my boyfriend and I, my most recent boyfriend and I broke up back in January, it was a really, really tough breakup for me. I had been really broke after the show, I was struggling to figure out what my next move was gonna be for work and that was really depressing and I was just at a really low point point. and I had started to become very aware and uncomfortable of how much of a problem my drinking was becoming and I didn't know what to do and it stressed me out so I drank more and, so when he ended that relationship, um, I was very, very in love with him and it was devastating. I, I thought that we were gonna get married. And um, I just really spiraled. I'm, I'm in a very comfortable work situation now. I nanny and I have an amazing nanny family. And um, I have been comfortable in that. Like I'm comfortable financially, I'm comfortable in all of that now, but, um, it was just really tough and I just, I really felt, all of a sudden I felt like the crushing weight of all my failures on my shoulders, you know, between, I I think I never really processed The Bachelor not working out for me and, you know, when I got into this relationship with my ex-boyfriend, um, I, I think a lot, of I put a lot of weight on that relationship because as long as that was working, there was some reason some greater reason why The Bachelor didn't go the way that I wanted it to go, and I didn't have to fully process that, like, it didn't work out, and that sucks, you know, I got to be like, well, it didn't work out because, you know, this, Um, and so when that relationship ended, it all just kind of crashed down on me that, like, all of that, in terms of tangible results, kind of was for nothing, I don't have any of that anymore, and that was really devastating, and that kind of kicked me down a a spiral where my drinking wasn't necessarily increasing, but the way that it made me feel was I was like having suicidal ideations and and I had just never felt like that before. I've always been a very confident person and and the self the, the level of self-worth that I had sunk to was really scary for me. And um and I decided that I needed to quit drinking and it was really really tough because I didn't want to at all but I knew that I had to and um, I'm in AA now I, I, I was in Israel when I made this decision and I stopped drinking in Israel we were a couple weeks I was a couple weeks in when we got back and or like a week in, and then I started going to meetings pretty immediately um, and that is kind of up to date Um, about that
1: so a couple questions here your relationship with him was he aware of your drinking did you hide it from him did that play a role in him breaking up with you how did he handle your drinking
0: Uh, you know he was aware I was really broke at the time so he actually paid for pretty much all the alcohol that was consumed he was not a heavy drinker um and so I think that that probably factored. I, I can't imagine that my drinking didn't lead, didn't at least um, weigh into his decision to end the relationship. Yeah. Although it wasn't cited as such. Um, but I was just, uh, um, what was I going to say about that? Um, yeah. Yeah. Basically I, I, he knew that I was drinking, but not even the extent I was, I mean, it was, it was at that point, it was very much alcoholic behavior. I was drinking like, you know, in secret on top of what I was drinking in front of um in front of people, you know, so he wasn't aware of the full extent.
1: when you know, I this is just kind of a semantics thing, but when people say, like yourself and Demi say I was drinking um a bottle of vodka a day, like to me, as an outsider who doesn't I socially drink here and there, but I've never been a big drinker, I I imagine someone drinking vodka straight from the bottle. Like that's how I think. And then you just polish off a bottle throughout the course of a day. That's not how it is, right? You're mixing. When you say you drink a bottle of vodka, you're, are you mixing it with something and you're having like vodka sodas all day long? Or how does it, what exactly when you say you drink a bottle of vodka a day, what did that mean?
0: I mean, mostly I drink wine and I would usually drink like on nights when I was working, I would have like a, you know, a, I never didn't drink at night, you know what I mean? So whether that was three glasses of wine or the bottle. um, But when it came to liquor, I mean, there were many, many occasions where I bought a bottle of liquor and finished it in the same day. So like, and those were, I was like, oh, fuck, you know, I would, I would acknowledge like, Ooh, that's a lot. And, you know, like it wasn't like in every single day, but, but when that, but that did happen multiple times. Mm.
1: And you would just pour yourself a glass of vodka? Oh, yeah, vodka. yeah.
0: No, I mean, mixed. I. Like okay. Yeah, vodka sodas or vodka, yes, um, uh, flavored seltzer, whatever. Gotcha.
1: So you talked about wanting to get sober, and you said you were in Israel at the time. Was there a light switch moment that made you want to do this? Did you hit a rock bottom where you were like, I'm so sick. I, you know, kind of people say like, Oh my God, I'm never going to drink again because they got, you know, so sick the night before. What exactly led you to this? I have to stop because a lot of people can say they want to stop. Not everyone can do it. So what made you say I have to stop?
0: I had been, I had been uh, pretty aware for a while at that point that like I was going to have to quit at some point. And at this point, I was staying with my nanny family in Israel, and I had a day off where I went out for dinner and I got so drunk. And I came home and I I, I wasn't you know it wasn't it was my day off so it was my time to do with what I pleased. But I was really embarrassed of at the fact that I just didn't remember coming home and and you know I was I was just I, I basically I got to a point where I was no longer in a situation where I could get just that that was not acceptable behavior and like that if I, especially after losing my boyfriend and all that, like that if I, if I screwed up this job situation, I was really, really going to have lost a great deal. And I wanted to make sure that that didn't happen. So you
1: did all this and you made the decision not to, but you've never gone into rehab or did you?
0: No, I didn't. Um, Rehab's really expensive. Yeah. And you know, I wasn't, I wasn't on drugs or anything like that, that, you know, this was something that theoretically, you know, like I should be able to avoid and you know, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't something that like the withdrawals were going to, you know, I I guess, I guess I don't, I guess I don't really know where I'm going with this, with this thread, but no, I didn't go to rehab. I just stopped. Hmm. And I definitely had pretty heavy withdrawal symptoms there for the first week. A lot of people do like, I was was, going to, that was
1: my next question. I was going to ask. Yeah. Once once you stopped cold Turkey, did you get the shakes and the sweats and all that?
0: Yeah. Terribly. I didn't sleep for a few days and I had like pretty clear audio, uh, not audio, audio hallucinations. I was hearing things that weren't happening and, Hmm. You know, I, I had a seizure disorder when I was young um, that went away when I went through puberty and I'm not medicated for anything, but I do have a history of seizure activity. So I was really, really stressed, scared that I was going to have a seizure because that's something that can happen when people, when heavy drinkers quit cold turkey. But thankfully, that didn't happen. Um, although in retrospect, I would probably recommend anybody who drank as much as I did to like go to the doctor if you're going to quit cold Turkey or however you handle that, because see the seizure risk is real and it's very dangerous. Um, So I got lucky in that case, but, but yeah, I definitely experienced some physical withdrawal when I quit.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, because you weren't in any sort of facility when this happened, we've seen it on TV. You've seen it on certain shows that cover this stuff. And it is, it is awful to watch somebody go through it. And when you're going through that, clearly you being at home and not being in a facility, it would have been easy to be like, I would rather drink than have to deal. Cause if I was drinking, I wouldn't be having these withdrawals. So what was the thing that made you say, I'll fight through all this physical stuff that I'm dealing with right now. I cannot take another sip.
0: I was just tired, man. I was so tired. Like, my life had been such a chaotic run around for so long and you know it after the show i calmed down a little bit just because i knew that for that little moment in time like people were paying attention to me and i didn't want to be too crazy but like before that just i mean i i've hurt people i've lied i've cheated i've you know i've i've had a really i've just always been running from something and always been trying to escape you know my mistakes and and i was just tired of running i think i think i just like my my body gave up at what in aa they would say like i was spiritually broken and you know it was just like i made peace with the fact that like a world where i am successful and happy and a world where i drink that's never going to be that they can't exist at the same time
1: yeah So, I mean, the amazing thing is you were able to see going through those withdrawals, like I said, it would have been easy to drink and just be like, I need to mask this or kill the pain and kill these, you know, night sweats and shakes and hallucinations, audio hallucinations. You were able to still get through it and see the long term plan of no, stay away from that drink, because in the end you'll get through this part, which will last, you know, five, seven days, like you said, about a week of just awfulness on your body but then you were able to see like I can come out the back end and if you were in a facility it would have been a lot easier because they there's no way they would have allowed you to the fact that you were able to do that in your own home I mean you could have easily gone down the street you could have you know whatever the case may be easily just hard even
0: like even today you know you know how like I know a lot of people I know this happens to a lot of people but I don't know I don't know if it happens to everyone but you know like the intrusive thoughts when you're like driving down the road and you're like i could just veer into oncoming traffic right now what then you know like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i have moments like that when i'm at the grocery store sometimes even still where like i'll be getting my snacks or whatever and i'll walk past the liquor aisle and i'm like i could do it i could just walk down and buy a bottle right now and nobody would know and i could you whatever and like you just don't you just don't do that but like the you know the the thought still creeps in here and there but It just, it's something to be so proud of that, like, I think I let myself down every day for such a long time that I'm still very much riding the high of waking up in the morning and knowing I, oh my God, thank God I didn't let myself down. Like again, like, yay. Like it's just, it still feels way too good to screw it up. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And you know, look, it's not easy. I mean, you were an alcoholic and I guess you always will identify, isn't that kind of the thing? You still say you're an alcoholic and it's a fight every day. Just because you are 94 days, you know, we all want you to do it the rest of your life. It's not going to be easy. I'm sure you know that. Um, How hard has it been? Have you come close to, to drinking again? And if you do, what do you do to get out of that? To
0: be honest with you, I – okay, so I would say – the advice that I would give if anybody is worried about that or if anybody has experienced that, uh, like that keeping your eye on the prize, you know, I, I guess, I guess, you know, I'm not even going to do that because I don't want to, I don't want I'm not in a position to give advice, but personally, I really haven't, like, I'm so proud of this decision and I'm so excited about what has already, what is already going better for me that, I, I don't even feel like I've had temptations or close calls or anything like that. But hmm. you know, dating is a little more uncomfortable, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> sex, like, or the idea of it is, you know, uh, more scare, a lot more scary, a lot more uncomfortable. I don't know that I had like fully sober sex for years. You know what I mean? So,
1: well, what, like, just curious, <laughs> what's what's the uncomfortable part about uh, sober sex? I guess.
0: I mean. It depends on your level of like comfortability with yourself, but I think that there's something so vulnerable, obviously about being seen in that way and in your fully exposed raw form, Mm. that if you don't have like a level, if you have low self-worth or, you know, if you struggle with like anything related to that, I think that's the scary part is that you don't have the liquid confidence of like being cool with, you know, being that vulnerable.
1: Hmm. Wow. Okay. So, you you know, like you said, you're, you're at a point now where you haven't really had it like in terms of.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I've done since, in the 90 days I've been sober and like pretty, or, you know, and pretty quickly, like I went on a date and sat at a bar top in my first two weeks because it was just like really important to me to prove that I could, to myself that I could do that and I did it and then then I you know one time I went to lunch with a girlfriend and she wanted to meet at this dive bar and like they pretty much serve liquor and chicken tenders there and that's it you know what I mean And, (laughs) and I had my chicken tenders and my club soda and like you know she had three shots and three beers and like that and that's you know what I mean and like I so at this point like I I've I've been in some pretty high risk I have yet to go to a sober wedding I have yet to Um, I have yet to have like a sober Christmas, you know, so I'm, you know, sober time with the family, like there's definitely upcoming hurdles and in scary situations, but I'm, I'm honestly, I'm honestly able to say that I'm so proud of this whole thing so far. And I'm so, my, my sober friends through AA are so important to me that I don't have any fear at this point of drinking, um, I don't t- I don't care if people do. I honestly prefer if they do. I would hate if anybody who wanted to drink didn't to make me comfortable, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm personally having there's a term called the pink cloud that people use in this setting. That's like the when you stop drinking after like depression drinking for so long and you start to like feel beauty in the world again and realize how good coffee tastes and how blue the sky is and That's kind of, and like how good working out feels. Like there's so many things that alcohol deadens and just like the, the constant like quest for drinking, you just, you're so narrow, you're so tunnel vision that you don't pay attention to all the beauty around you that it just feels euphoric when you drop all that and you can actually like see it all again for the first time. So I'm kind of, I'm still in that phase of this. So
1: how do you attack the dating thing in terms of how soon do you bring this up to somebody that, you have an interest in, do you tell somebody on the first date or do you wait to see it's if it's going anywhere?
0: I tell people like as soon as I can, if I meet them on hinge or whatever that I don't drink, um, you know, just so that they know. And what's, what's funny is that like people who have any experience with alcoholism, whether it's in their family or in their own lives, like they'll clock that like nobody just immediately offers that they don't drink. Well, that's not true. Very, I think few people, put that information out as like a, Hey, make sure you know this about me unless there's some reason, you know why they don't drink. Yeah. So the people who know, I think will pick up on it, but the people who don't, you know, if they ask, I'm pretty, I I try to be really open about like using the word alcoholic just because like there's no reason why anyone should that, why that should be a dirty word. But like, you know, John and honestly, just to kind of see how it feels coming out of my mouth and like introducing myself that way or like, you know, mentioning that about, I'm trying to just kind of normalize it to myself, to my own mouth and my own brain. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm upfront about it. And as soon as the relationship gets to a second or third date point, like, I'm very open about it. You know, I want people to, like, this, that's part of the reason I'm talking about it now. Like, this is an important thing about not only, like, my life experience, but, like, something, I hope to be able to, like, <laughs> I have aspirations to, like, publicly be able to help people with this problem. And so, you know, in a, in in some version of the future, this is a central part of my life and potentially my work. So it, it is important to me that anyone who dates me is cool with that.
1: You mentioned being an AA and having sponsors. How many meetings do you go to a week? What are your roles that your sponsors are in? Kind of explain the whole AA process and how's that been for you?
0: AA is, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of criticisms that could be made of LA. I'm sorry, of AA. And although both are true. LA, and, yeah. You <laughs> definitely
1: criticize LA.
0: <laughs> and I definitely, I have my criticisms of the program as well, but so far it is just so welcoming. And it's just, there's, there's something, you know, one of the cornerstones of alcoholism is secrecy. And there's something very like, liberating and like relieving about just a bunch of people sitting around and like just you know not having to be secretive and being able to like just the kinds of shit that people talk about in AA that they've done it's like you can't believe they're saying this in front of people but like this is that they're just telling their truth you know and it's really beautiful and no one gets paid to lead AA meetings or to speak at AA meetings like everyone truly is just here out of the kindness of their heart and like service is one of the main pillars of it. The whole purpose of it is like getting people in the door, getting them sober, and then getting them like to spread, to 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 help and to, you know, participate in the meetings, to become a sponsor yourself. It's all, it's all in service of the greater goal of eventually getting to a place where you can help other people, you know. um. So I really, really like that about it. It's also, it's a very integrity-based program, which is something I really admire because I've had many instances in my life where I really lacked integrity and that's something that I really, it's very important to me to like, you know, develop that characteristic of mine. Um, Because there's no one, there's no AA police, you know, no one's knocking on your door and checking to see if you're drinking. Like, you just tell the, you just, you just, you just tell the truth and if you do relapse, like they welcome you back with open arms. It's just, it's really beautiful. The whole program is just... It's like spiritually, I just can't believe how kind, you know, some people can be. And, um, my sponsor, yeah, I'm, um, I mean, obviously it's all anonymous, so I can't share anything about that, but I really respect my sponsor and I love like the, the little family. I go, I, um, I go to all women's meetings pretty much exclusively unless there's not one available, but I go to three meetings a week. Um, I have my little designated dates that I go, that I go and, Uh, You know, some people are encouraged to go every day if they have the availability or, you know, if they're ordered to by a judge or something. Um, For those of us that work full time and because, you know, obviously some people going into AA are going in with nothing. You know, they've just lost their whole family or lost their job or, you know, they're they have the they have the ability and the desire to really focus on the program and go every day. Um, But, yeah, I, I feel like I balance it out well with hanging out with my friends and dating, you know, when I, when I feel like it. So it doesn't, it doesn't like, Oh, you know, it doesn't consume my whole life in a way that's suffocating. It's just, it, it's really um, a part of my routine that I stick to and am super grateful for.
1: Well, one final thing on this topic, and I appreciate you so much being able to talk about so openly about this because I guarantee there are people listening right now that either secretly are, hearing this and are just like, wow, um, this is powerful. And I, you know, it's, it's reaching me. You just never know. As long as it, I guarantee there's somebody out there that's going to be affected by this in a positive way. So uh, again, I thank you for this, but the last topic I want to talk about within this is there are probably some people also that are listening to this podcast that are just like, I don't get it. Like, how do you, how hard can it be to stop drinking? And for years there's, there's always been this, is alcoholism a disease or is it a weakness? And for your particular case, how would you describe it? Is this something that you feel that was ingrained in your body and that you were going, this was going to hit you at some point? Or is it just, I know there are some people out there that think, oh, you're just too weak to stop. Um, So what is your opinion on that? Uh,
0: Okay, my opinion on that is, For me personally, and obviously that's the only person I can speak for, I think that I was going to become a a heavy drinker no matter what. I think that working in the restaurant industry, you know, at the time it was well worth it because it was the most money I could make at my job, or I'm sorry, the most money that I could make at my age. Um, And I I think that fast-tracked me into alcoholism, but I don't think that I would have dodged drinking if that hadn't if I had done something else for work I think it was going to be a problem in my life no matter what because truthfully I think it's a combination of my dad obviously like I mentioned just had had was a heavy drinker my whole life and um and I I had a really <clears throat> you know I don't want to go too much into it or not that not that I don't want to but it's not appropriate for me to go too much into it but I had a really difficult childhood and a lot of severe abandonment and neglect and abuse, you know, not physical, but, you know, there was a lot of trauma in my, in my youth. And I really externalized, like, actually, I think I'm using that word incorrectly. I didn't externalize. I coped with that by drinking, obviously, but like, I didn't let anything get to me. I was like, you know the cool girl who like everyone thought was a riot and i talked about my sex life and you know i think that i really leaned into being as like cool and unbothered and sexy as possible to dodge being somebody who like had feelings um and i think that i kind of got lost in the sauce at a certain point and i didn't i kind of lost touch with like who i really am and how i actually feel about things and like, I just kind of became a character. And um, I think that that is really distressing for someone. And I think that trapped me in the cycle as well. Um, I definitely, I see see why people think that, or why some people would think, I think if you know an addict, and, and most people do, you know that there is a lot more than weakness or strength that comes into it. It's like, People are just, everyone is just trying to survive and get through the day. And I think that, you know, if, if alcohol or whatever the substance is, is what, what, you know, gets you through the day, I'm trying to try and imagine if the thing that gets you through the day, whether that's your love for your wife or your family or whatever, if that, if you had to continue, if you just, if you were asked to go on without that. You know what I mean? That would be (laughs) an incredibly breaking and difficult thing for anybody to do. So I would, I would ask that they just frame it to themselves that way. And like, whatever that, that is for you, the thing that gets you through every day, picture that being alcohol. And that's what most of the people who identify as alcoholics experience.
1: Well, I can't thank you enough for talking about this so openly. Uh, Congratulations on the 94 days
0: Thank Obviously. you. I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. Thank you for asking so many thoughtful questions.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if you, I would, I think just the way you spoke about it for the last 30 minutes on this podcast, you absolutely, I think, should be someone that talks to groups and speaks to maybe, you know, troubled teens that are involved in alcohol and, and drinking and stuff like that. Because I think you're, you put a really good perspective on everything and you've, you you know, you've experienced it. Obviously. They need to hear from someone who went through it and you need to be that person that says, uh, you know, you can do it. You can get through it. I did. And I was drinking every day. Like you were, you know, speaking to somebody who, you know, maybe drinks every day and whatnot. I mean, you've been there and I, I absolutely think you should follow through and, and keep it up Thank and you. keep talking for sure.
0: Thank you. And even to loop it back to bachelor. I mean, I think that like something about my personality is unique and it's that like I'm willing to I'm will, I'll say anything. I'm willing to look any kind of way if it serves a purpose, you know? And like I think that one of the gifts that I have is kind of the ability to go there and say something that potentially most other people would be too too embarrassed or or too conservative or just too private to share about themselves. So I hope I hope that you know, being as honest as I as I have been with you and hope to continue being. I hope. I just hope that that, you know, gives anybody um, some sort of insight or some sort of confidence in themselves to, to make a decision that benefits them. You know, if it's if it's the only thing I can do in my life, it'll be worth it.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I absolutely think it will. So uh, again, Cassidy, thank you uh, so much for coming on. Congratulations on everything. Keep it up. And you and I obviously uh, will be in touch.
0: Thank you so much, Steve. You got it.
1: Thank you so much to Cassidy for coming on. I hope a lot of you, it's why I love, love, love having people on that maybe lasted a few episodes, but have a story. And for the last 30 minutes, you heard Cassidy's story, which you never would have known otherwise, unless you follow her on Instagram. But to get into details about everything and how bad it was for her, uh, very brave of her to come on and, and talk about that stuff. And I'm glad she's open and willing to talk about it and even share her story with people um, who are going through the same thing uh, themselves? I mean, reach if you are listening to this right now and you are secretly drinking more than you have to, even publicly drinking more than you should be, and you know that you might have a problem. I mean, outside of reaching out to AA or something like that, I, I guarantee someone like Cassidy, if you DM'd her, would respond right back to you and just and, and help you out in any way you can. So, uh, again, thank you so much to Cassidy for coming on. Thank you all for listening. Please follow. An Apple Podcast. Also, rate and review if you can. Uh, Sports Daily be up. Uh, the Sports Daily was posted about an hour ago. Two hours ago, the Daily Roundup went up, and we're back tomorrow with another Daily Roundup and Sports Daily. So, for Cassidy, Tim Brooks, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you tomorrow. See you!